Welcome to In Conversation with Kathleen. I'm Kathleen Kettles. I'm a psychotherapist and I love people and their stories. In each episode, I'll be speaking with a guest about what the word success means to them. And at the end of each interview, I'll be discussing the episode with co-creator and editor, Remy. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to another episode of In Conversation with Kathleen. This week, I'm delighted to welcome Priya Joy. Priya is a journalist, science writer, freelancer and author. And in March 2023, Priya's book, Motherland, a memoir on motherhood, race and identity, was released by Penguin. Welcome, Priya. It's really good to have you here. Thank you, Kathleen. So we'll start just by asking where you are today and what your life is looking like at the moment and what you're doing. So I physically am at home at the moment. I'm having a kind of quietish day. I've had a very busy period because Motherland um, just launched a few weeks ago. So there was lots of kind of hustle to try and get press and promotion and stuff. And now I'm on a period of quiet that I find hard. Um, I find hard to sort of enforce but I know that I need a little bit of downtime and a break. So uh, it's a daily practice of waking up and going, you don't need to run around and do a thousand things. Yeah, that's good. And where is home for you just now? Home is Barcelona in Spain. So the weather is just about warming up now, coming up to Easter. Nice. I wish I could say the same about here. (laughs) I'd be lying. I'd be lying. Um, So, okay. So who's at home with you? At the moment, it's my husband, Shabby. He's working in another, another room very quietly. Uh, and my daughter, Leela, who's eight, who's at school at the moment. Oh, nice. That's lovely. So tell me then, when you hear the word success, on a very personal level, what does that word mean to you? What does it conjure up? And this can cover any number of areas of life. I think, so I'm in my mid-40s now, and it means something very different to me now than it's meant, I think, in every decade of my life, really. So in my 20s, um, I wanted uh, not great wealth, but I wanted to do well financially. And I think doing a job that was seen to be, um, was seen by my family and by society as being a good job, in quotes, was an important thing. And then as I got a little bit older and I had my daughter, time with her was really important. And so now what success really means is having a really great balance of lots of things. So so being able to have, well, if I could say in one word, I would say it'd be freedom. So the freedom to live my life more or less within the structures of, you know, other people's, uh, other people that I live with and so on, doing pretty much what I want. Um, So it doesn't mean that I don't work or it doesn't mean I don't do annoying things or chores, but it's more that I more or less feel content. And I think, and it's a much quieter definition of the word that I think we're sold as well kind of societally and in the media that's really interesting and you you've used the word contentment again and and Remy and I have heard this a couple of times you know people talk about you know in their 20s wanting to really strive for that big success however that looks and like you say what what media sells us so how did you get to this point now that you're you've published your your book how what's your journey been from the beginning to here um so i had always loved when i was at school i always loved writing and i always loved science 
And my sister really loved writing as well. And I think my mum, in that kind of way that sometimes previous generations did, she went to my sister, you're going to be the writing one, you're going to be the science one. And that was really, uh, and so, and also then, in a weird way, it was like a positive encouragement loop because when you're told you're really good at science and you're really good at math, I thought, oh, I'm really good at science and good at math. <laughs> and so I, that's what I studied at, at school, at A-levels and then university, I went on to study genetics. And I thought for a while I'd go into the laboratory, but I realized I don't have the patience for being in a lab because you sometimes need hours to run experiments. And I sort of be waiting and, you know, twiddling my think fingers and reading Hello magazine and you know, all of this. And, and then my supervisor, I remember saying to me, do you really want to be here? And I said, yeah, of course I do. Of course. And she said, are you sure? Because if you really were interested in this, you'd be reading around the experiments that you were doing. And at the time I saw it as a criticism, but I don't think it was. I think she was identifying it wasn't quite for me. So then I found science writing and communication, and then I, that brought my two loves together, writing and storytelling and science. So I became a science journalist, and I worked in that more or less for the following 20 years. But I'd always had this idea of writing about something that wasn't just science and scientific, and I wanted to put myself in the story more, which as a science journalist, generally you don't do. You're, the things that you're writing about are the subject. And I wanted to really reflect on motherhood and uh, both modern motherhood, but also motherhood as a British Indian mum who had I hadn't seen my experience reflected really in the media or anywhere, like on you know in films or, um, and so these so as well as grappling with motherhood and what that means, what that can mean for your identity. I also had all this cultural baggage that was coming from not so much my mum, but more subconsciously, I suppose, her expectations of me. Society, both in India and the UK, there was sometimes conflicting um, expectations, I guess, of what it meant to be a mother. And then as I was raising my daughter, Leela, who is now eight, but when she was about four or five, she sort of expressed the fact that she didn't know whether she liked her brown skin and she wanted to be more peach colored instead. And so I, I clearly had a job to do in terms of getting her to be comfortable in her own skin. Um, and and that meant reconciling or or digging deeper into my own identity and well what did that feel like now because that changes over your life um, and what it meant to be raising a brown kid in Europe and so that's what led to the book. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, Leela is such a gift, isn't she? Yes, yeah, she is. <laughs> yeah. so I saw I saw a post recently about. Uh, a beautiful thing she'd made is it a ca canva is it yeah canva? that's right yeah oh, share that bit because it was so beautiful she so she um has always loved creating and writing stuff and recently at school because it's not as it's not the ancient times as she calls when I went to school they kids now learn things like well PowerPoint and writing and um, creating visuals and going on an app called Canva where you can make posters and graphics and stuff. And so she's now suddenly gone from crayons and paper to understanding that this whole other world of creation where you can find um, images and things and just plonk it all into one paper. So she created this beautiful poster 
where and the thing that really nearly made me cry was uh, there was a little image that said um, a mother is a daughter's best friend and I thought oh and I'm really holding on to that through some potential stormy I don't know whether we might not have stormy times but when her hormones are raging yeah yeah, I want to hold on to that and remember I, I love it yeah at the moment I'm still her universe and and I want to hold on to my place in that solar system for a while. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It was just so beautiful. I thought, gosh, what a clever girl. And, you know, that's the thing, isn't it? That, like, from crayons to suddenly, you yeah. know, online. Yeah. You talk about PowerPoint. I just recently had to do a PowerPoint thing for an Open Uni um, course. And I was, how do people do this? And it's really step by step so easy. But for me, I'd never done one before. So well, I can get challenge. a link to yours for you. I was going to say, I'll send her all the information I need and she can put it together. <laughs> right. So what was the biggest obstacle you had to overcome to get to this point where you thought, right, I'm writing this book. It's important. It's about identity. It's about my family, my life. What were the obstacles you had to overcome to get to this point of writing it? I think one obstacle was um, veering out of my lane a little bit as a writer because I thought I know how to write about science and I know how to write really interestingly about science. But writing a memoir when you're not a celebrity, first of all, I thought, well, a bit of imposter syndrome crept in because I thought, is anyone going to really want to read? It sounded quite kind of grandiose I think to say I'm writing my memoir like I'm you know some aged very famous writer or something and and then I guess I thought uh, because then I was commenting on things that are happening in society like racism and um, xenophobia and immigration and these are very big very politically charged issues so again I, I think I felt like Although I'm well versed in these issues and I've experienced some of it myself, which did give me the credibility to write about it, I did think, oh, but there are um, really great social commentators who write about this. And so I had those obstacles. They weren't completely paralyzing because the good thing is having already been a writer, I knew I just needed to charge through. But those were some of the things I think there were mental obstacles that kind of um, came up in the beginning And then when it actually came down to writing it, it was just the actual physical challenge of writing when you have a small kid, Mm -hmm. um, which was finding headspace and finding time to think that wasn't a quick hour or two sandwiched in somewhere or trying to write while Leela was next to me. Um, And that wasn't insignificant. I did. I did actually have to go away for a week um, to go and write. And that was quite transformational in finishing the book as well. So that was how you managed to sort of practically get on with it but what was the was there a lot of self-doubt you talk about imposter syndrome but was there a lot of sort of internal dialogue that was like why am I doing this like you 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 also said there that well I'm not some well-known famous person that's you know did how did you quieten that down how did you stop that from sabotaging the work you were producing so what I did was I thought I, I had to look at this really objectively and I thought The reason why I decided to write the book in the first place is I didn't see this story anywhere, really. And this wasn't just my story. It's not like I had this very unusual journey of 
I don't know, climbing or climbing a mountain or going to Antarctica or something. This was a story of millions of people. So that felt important to put that story out there. And then the way I did it also through the book was I used my story and Leela's story as the backbone of, of the book. And then I brought in other bigger societal issues. And I... I had to just keep reminding myself that I've been a writer for a long time. I've been published. It was almost um, a sort of daily motivational, uh, motivational pep talk of reminding myself that I am a good writer and that this was a story that was much bigger than me, really much, much bigger than me and intergenerational. And actually, it would be a really good way to start a conversation that was much needed. And so that helped me push past what felt a bit like my ego was sort of driving this desire to write a book. Because some people do want to have a book, and I don't think there's anything, anything wrong with this. They want to have a book so they can just see their name in the bookshops. And although that's lovely, what's been really nice with the book is that all these conversations that have started and people writing to me saying, oh, I felt really seen and I, I've never really read anyone writing about what it feels like to be split between two cultures, for example, so I, I had a feeling that it would resonate in that way. And I kept talking to myself to remind myself it's not actually just about me. That's a, that's a really good point, sort of taking it out of yourself almost and looking at the, at the much broader picture. So did you always know you would succeed at this? No. Well, did I? I knew that I, was ex- I would succeed in finishing the book because... I've never not succeeded in writing something. I don't think I quite knew how much it would resonate with people. Or, yeah, there was always a tiny voice in the back of my head saying, well, maybe it will come out and people will just kind of not really respond or not even that they would dislike it or, you know, not more that they would be disinterested. Um, so there was a doubt, but I think overwhelmingly, I thought it probably would do well. And so that's what also kept me going. Brilliant. That's, that's so good. So you've got it out there. How did you get the publisher interested in, in taking it on and running with it? I got an agent first. So I had um, a friend of my sister's knew an agent who was looking for memoir. She's mixed race herself and is raising a mixed race son. So she connected with the story personally And then um, once I had a proposal that I'd written, I worked with my agent over many months to to really justify why this book. So to justify, you know, looking through the lens of a publisher, why would anyone want to read this? Who would it appeal to? Are there any books like this? And the answer was not really many. And so it really was about pulling out the kind of more collective story that was coming out of the book to make it in as much as I could make it a no-brainer for a a publisher to take it on. Great, that's brilliant. Okay, so if you were speaking to somebody who was equally passionate about a subject, they wanted to get out into the world, and they were at that stage where they were feeling that imposter syndrome, they were thinking, hey, who's going to want to read this? Am I just kidding myself? Is this about my ego? What would you say? What would you encourage them to to think? What What would be the wise words you would share with them? I would say I would ask them to honestly look and examine why they want to write it. And the or the reason is almost, I think, irrelevant. I think it, but it then it can then fuel how you go about doing it. 
So I really don't think there is any problem with someone writing something because they just want to write. It might resonate with people a bit less if that's the case. But if they have a story that they really think people will connect with, I would, they could maybe even just write down on a little post-it because sometimes when you're in the depths of writing, you sort of forget what your why is. It can be a really good reminder. So I think having a few little bullet points of it could be, it's a story that's not really been told. It could be it's a story that affects maybe a very marginalized community, or it could just be that it's a really cracking read. I mean, people, I, I love talking to people about their life stories because the, some people have the most extraordinary backstories, but you just meet them like on the playground or something and chat to them, you know, and you don't know. And I do believe that everyone's got some interesting story there. So it could just be that it's a cracking read and that um, as human beings, we like good stories. I mean, that's why so many people are interested in true crime, which is not my it's not my <laughs> thing. But I think that's why we are, because there's just really good stories. Yes, fascinating. So with now that you've published this memoir and it's out in the world, are you already thinking then about, ooh, what next? I am. I didn't think I would be because when I had just delivered the book and even towards the end of last year, I was so tired. I thought, I'm never writing, never doing this again. This is awful. But now I've already now I want to sort of spend the summer thinking about um, some other ideas, maybe something more in the science kind of popular science space. Um, I want to give myself a bit of time to think about it. Yes, but I would like to. Great. And so the agent you have now this would be somebody I imagine you would work with now to continue That's right. your, your work as an author. And are yes. you still doing the freelance um, science writing too? I am. Yes, that's going on in the back. Well, not. I was going to say in the background, but not really. It's still in the foreground because that's my main main kind of uh, bread and butter. But yes, yeah. I'm doing that as well and enjoying it. Okay, good. And can you tell us a bit more about the content of the book so that people listening can say, oh, yes, that would resonate with me I think I need to grab a copy of this yeah so one of the aspects of it is um as we were talking about earlier about race and identity mm -hmm. so this is if you're brown or black and you're growing up in the UK or another predominantly white country and how you reconcile your own identity and those of any children you might be raising but there are other strands in it as well and one that I explore is how I figured out how I, how I was going to mother, how I was going to parent compared to my mum, because um, there were things that I thought were great about her parenting. And there were things I think didn't really serve either me or her very well. And those were not things I wanted to carry on. But as most parents know, sometimes these things are so subconsciously planted and so deep rooted, it can be very hard to break free. So one of the things I talk about kind of throughout the book is how I was able to, I had to really consciously think about this, how I was able to separate some of the parenting I experienced and not repeat that. So it, it's about how you break the chains sometimes or break those sort of links. Another um, thing that I looked at was how you decide what kind of mother you're going to be in terms of uh, there's so much that's being shouted at us from society and from magazines about, you know, this is what you need to do and you need to do take cupcakes in for the bake sale. And if you don't get your kids ready for World Book Day, then, you know, and and it really is an is a way of encouraging. Um, I mean, I say mothers, I would say parents in general, but I do feel like mums maybe need this encouragement more to actually tap into 
who they are as people, what they really want to do, what makes them happy, how they want to parent. I mean, some people have very different views on all kinds of things. And I think it's about tapping into that authenticity about what kind of, so that, and that then taps into what kind of person you want to be, because being a parent or a mother is a subset of that. So that hopefully will resonate with lots of people. But also one other thing that I think was important in the book was parenting when you are other in some way, when you are marginalized or vulnerable, and you're not the norm in in the sense of the, um, the white, straight, cis people that you see represented as parents, when you're not that, let's say you're in a same sex relationship and you have kids, how do you talk about the experience of parenthood or motherhood then? And those, there are so many other stories alongside mine that are not to do with race, but maybe to do with sexuality or gender that I think need to be told as well. And so it was sort of a way to also connect with people who felt marginalized and othered in some way. Brilliant. And I think you're right. It, it touches on so many sections of, of society. So if Leela hadn't come along, would you still have been inspired to write this? As a British Indian woman, would it still have been something you would have felt, I want to write about my experience as a child and my mother's role in my life? Could that book still have happened? Or is it purely, was Leela the catalyst for this? Yes, I think, so I think Leela was the catalyst. I think if if Leela hadn't come along and I didn't have children, I probably would still have written about growing up in India and kind of feeling across two cultures. But I think because motherhood forced me to examine my own childhood, because often, I don't know if it does for everyone, but I do know for a lot of people, it is it unlocks something in your memory and your deep kind of cellular memory or something about how you, people often say that they have memories of how they were parented that they then remember when their child is the same age. And so I think it's kind of quite a transformational thing that if you don't become a parent, I feel like there's maybe, unless you had such a traumatic childhood that you then want to talk about it in therapy, I think most people don't examine and and maybe even can't because because it's sort of the comparative side-by-side nature almost of being a parent and then remembering how you were parented that makes you feel a certain way about your own childhood. Whereas if you don't have that comparator, you could say if your parents really neglected you, that that was a terrible thing to happen, but you don't feel it as acutely maybe. Yeah, Yeah. that's really interesting too. I think, you know, this is something that's going to filter through to so many different people. And I'm wondering, are you going to do any tours with the book or are you giving any public talks with the book at any time? Is that on the cards? I've got nothing coming up, but I'm hoping to do a few book festivals. Book um, that's what I was looking for. Yeah. <laughs> things where people talk. Book festivals. Yeah, or literary <laughs> festival. Yes, um, yeah, so I'm hoping to do a couple of those, but I don't have anything confirmed at the moment, unfortunately, to tell you. That's what I wanted to ask also, you know, if you can tell us where people can find you, where they can get the book from, um, so that we can really share this with as many people as possible. Yes. So I'm so the book is available pretty much at all online outlets where you could buy books. And in the UK, um, it's in Waterstones and all of the bookshops. Um, online on Instagram, I'm uh, Priya.joy. And on Twitter, I'm Priya4876. And that's where I generally am online. Great. That's perfect. So you're taking time out now. You're having a break. 
having a little rest yes nice yes well deserved very well deserved well thank you so much I think this is going to be so interesting for so many of of our listeners and now what we do is we say a loving farewell to you then Remy and I chat about what we thought (laughs) thank you so much Kathleen this was really fun that was really good Wow, that was lovely to meet Priya. Yeah, I'd never met her before and it sounds amazing what she's been doing and the story sounds wonderful as well. Mm-hmm. I liked it when she talked about, when I asked her about the challenges that she'd had and she said, but it felt like I was veering out of my own lane to write this book, you know, because she's such a competent and successful science writer. Yeah, so the, the imposter syndrome it sounded like that went quite quickly when she looked at the bigger picture of who this was going to help and how many people could be uplifted by what she was writing and, and it, who, you know, who it would resonate with. So that was good. It didn't linger too long and she was able to, to get on and, and produce the book. Mm, I think there's a few common themes, isn't there? And one of them seems to be thinking about things that are bigger than you can kind of lift you out of that funk that you might be in and that sort of anxiety and looking at the bigger picture. And I was really interested to hear about how, of course, this story is also about other marginalised groups as well. And although it is about, you know, her experience, it can really be translated into all these other stories. So I think that really gave me some food for thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think also just going back to this, the word success, Priya talked about how it's changed in the decades and in her 20s it was about being able to be financially secure and as time has gone on it's about balance in her life and having freedom to live the life the way she wants to live it and then she used the word to be content. If you are at peace and content with your own way of living there is nothing better. Yeah that idea of being free being free to do the things and I think she sort of made reference to not only being able to do fun things but having the freedom to do the the little jobs that you need to do and things like that yeah I thought that was lovely and I just the sense that I got from her was one of humility and kind of peace and and also very down to earth and kind of grounded and just a really interesting person and I'm really pleased to have been able to spend some time with her it was lovely lovely isn't she and to be you know Leela's mum what a gift she is as a parent actually and I think Leela is already seeing that and you know she talked about Leela making that um, beautiful picture on, on Canva of how important her mummy is to her and I think Leela will carry that through all her life you know because mm. her mum is, is really special and you know for Leela to go in and read the book too that will be interesting won't it she has a lot to give Mm, yeah I'm really interested in her journey and um and also really interested in that science work that we didn't get a chance to talk about really yeah she's got lots of lots of good articles out actually particularly stuff that you'll be interested in she's an amazing human good thank you for that well thanks thanks for listening to in conversation with Kathleen I really hope you enjoy listening as much as I enjoy making these episodes. In the hope that someone else benefits from listening to the show, please like, subscribe and share. I look forward to seeing you again next time. Thanks for listening.